toxic chemicals have contaminated the Huron River. But Representative Ryan Berman voted to cut millions from the state's cleanup fund. Berman's record is toxic. Paid for with regulated funds by Michigan Leadership Committee PAC, not authorized by any candidate. The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. Live from our nation's capital, it's Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. I'm Brad Bannon. I'm a Democratic strategist, a columnist for The Hill in Washington, DC, and a political analyst for news radio stations KNX in Los Angeles and WGN in Chicago. My company, Bannon Communications Research, polls for progressive issue groups, labor unions, and Democrats. BannonCR.com is the sponsor of today's show. If you want to learn more about me and my political polling company, or if you have any suggestions or ideas for Deadline DC, you can reach me on Twitter at Brad Bannon, all one word. Welcome to all of you watching me on Twitter or Periscope. Our guest in the first half hour is Congressman Ro Khanna, who is serving a second term representing California's 17th congressional district located in the heart of Silicon Valley. Representative Kana sits on the House Budget, Armed Services, and Oversight and Reform Committees and is first vice chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. He also serves as an assistant whip in the Democratic Caucus. He was also national co-chair of Bernie Sanders' presidential campaign. Congressman, welcome back to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Uh, first of all, uh, uh, we just heard that the president is going to be released from Walter Reed Hospital today at uh, 6.30 Eastern Time. Uh, this has been one of the craziest weeks uh, going back to the presidential debate that I can remember in American politics. Uh, w- what do you make of uh, last week's presidential debate uh, and the president's uh, activities, including his joyride yesterday around Walter Reed Hospital? Well, Brad, you know, the, everyone in the country almost was uh, wishing a, uh, a full and speedy recovery to the president. Uh, but the question really is, uh, who is going to keep the country safe, including the president uh, and his family? Uh, and the reality is that the White House now has more cases of COVID uh, than the countries of Taiwan, uh, New Zealand, 
and Vietnam combined. I mean, it's unbelievable. I would have never thought as an American uh, that uh, the White House would be more vulnerable uh, than developing nations. And so uh, to me, it's actually not even about the, the president having COVID or the risk he may be putting others in. It's frankly the fact that we have an administration that is failing in its basic duty, which is how do you keep this country safe? Yeah, it's uh, really incredible. Uh, do you think, well, let me ask a question here. You know, one of the things that's always bothered me about Donald Trump's presidency uh, is the example uh, he sets to the public, uh, his demeaning comments about women, uh, his, you know, his insults uh, against uh, members of, uh, you know, uh, against Latinos uh, and uh, African-Americans and, you know, his behavior during the COVID uh, crisis has been abysmal and, and a scandal. Do you think Americans are going to learn anything from this horrible episode? Well, Brad, I think you put your finger on the greatest harm that uh, uh, Trump has done to our nation. Uh, obviously, there was the immediate harm uh, to the most vulnerable of children uh, who were in cages and denying people to come into this country uh, for religion. But when you look at it, some of the other harms he's done, I'm confident uh, President Biden will be able to reverse. He will be able to refund the State Department. He'll be able to rebuild our alliances. We'll be able uh, to get back on track. But what will take, I think, decades to overcome is what he has done in coarsening uh, the American uh, public discourse in making uh, racism and sexism acceptable in uh, convincing uh, 30 to 40 percent of this country to uh, not believe in science. And uh, I think that's going to take a long time. I I don't think that uh, just him leaving the White House is going to be enough and that suddenly we're going to have an epiphany as a country. I think it's going to take uh, long, hard work for my generation, decades of work uh, to rebuild public trust and to restore uh, our democracy and, and undo the damage he's done. I mean, let's uh, we all hope that uh, Joe Biden uh, is elected president. Uh, but it seems to me if he does win the presidential election, he's going to have his hands full. Uh, the pandemic, uh, the shattered economy, uh, global uh, climate change lurking just around the corner. But one of the things that I think it's going to be very difficult for Joe Biden to reverse is that during his uh, presidency, uh, Donald Trump has rever- has uh, has uh, encouraged hate groups, all right wing hate groups all across the country, like the Proud Boys are a perfect example. Uh, Chris Wallace gave the president an opportunity to den- denounce uh, hard right groups like the Proud Boys during the debate Tuesday. Uh, and he uh, refused to do so. In fact, he seemed to even encourage them. Uh, what can Joe Biden do to reverse uh, the climate of hate that uh, Donald Trump has created during his presidency? Well, I don't think it's just on uh, Vice President Biden. I think it's on all of us as, as citizens to be able to do that. But he can certainly start by uh, setting a clear uh, moral tone that every president in my lifetime 
uh, from Jimmy Carter to Ronald Reagan to Bush Senior Bush. Uh, uh, President George W. Bush have uh, have sat and, and Clinton and Obama, uh, which is that uh, we are a country uh, based on uh, citizenship and equality, and not based on race and religion. I mean, it's it's almost the cliched message which you hear uh, in presidential speeches. You almost long for that because Trump has uh, uh, has totally undercut that. And so I think that in this way, Biden's decency, his understanding of the uh, American project of what makes us truly exceptional as a nation uh, will come through, and and that can set the tone. And then it's really the hard work is going to be uh, with school teachers and faith leaders and community leaders uh, to combat uh, extremism and hate. And tech is going to have a big responsibility as well. They can't be amplifying and recommending things like QAnon uh, conspiracy theories. Yeah, it's uh, really very sad. Our guest in this half hour is Congressman Ro Connor uh, of California. Uh, he represents the uh, Silicon Valley. Uh, he is also a uh, prominent member of the uh, House Progressive Caucus uh, and uh, the Demo- House Democratic Caucus. Uh, he was uh, co-national chair of the Bernie Sanders presidential campaign. Uh, we're going to go to a break now for our radio listeners, but we'll continue this interview with Congressman Connor uh, for our Periscope TV and Facebook Live viewers. Uh, so everybody hang on. Uh, there's a lot to talk about today uh, because, as, as I said in the open, it's been a crazy week and a crazy year in American politics. Uh, The president, uh, according to the national polls, uh, crashed and burned in a debate last Tuesday. Uh, There's a vice presidential debate coming up on Wednesday. Uh, The president and several key members of his White House staff and his campaign have come down with COVID. Uh, It's crazy, but we'll be back uh, in a few minutes for our radio listeners and right away for our TV listeners. Again, uh, welcome back to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Uh, uh, our guest in this half hour is Congressman Ro Connor uh, from the Silicon Valley in California. Uh, let's start with this, uh, Congressman. You brought up a subject that I wanted to ask you about. Uh, it's been months now since pan- emergency pandemic relief uh, to unemployed Americans expired. Uh, the Republicans in the Senate don't seem to be any hurry to do anything about it. Um, I saw one poll today, I think it was a national survey, uh, that showed that Americans would much rather have the Senate consider uh, passing a COVID relief package than they would passing on uh, the president's new nomination for the Supreme Court. Is there any hope for those people out there who are desperately waiting for months now for a pandemic economic relief, or is that a lost cause? Well, that polling doesn't surprise me. I mean, people are uh, desperate to get unemployment assistance. They need money for rent. They need a a stimulus check. Uh, And the irony is that you have now Steve Mnuchin and the president basically begging the speaker to to pass a uh, liberal stimulus bill because they know that uh, the, the president's uh, last thread in terms of his shot in, in, in re-election is uh, contingent on it. And so 
you know, of course, it's the speaker's bill and he's going to uh, take credit. Uh, but the speaker is a, 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 a person who puts the country first and uh, she's working uh, diligently to try to come to a, uh, a deal which was going to have an expansion of the earnings of tax credit, child tax credit, uh, some really good provisions. And then I think the ball will be in McConnell's court. And he's saying that he doesn't want to move the bill unless half his caucus is behind it. And I, I think we'll see whether he kills the deal or not. Do you think uh, do you think Senate Republicans are going to pay a political price on November 3rd for completely ignoring the victims of the uh, pandemic, uh, both their health care and their economic leads or and they just, you know, they figure they can skate through this without any problems. I think they will pay a price, uh, which is if nothing passes. I mean, the irony is that McConnell agrees to the deal. You know, maybe they can salvage something uh, because they would have done something right before the election, even though they dragged their feet for three months. But if they don't do anything, I absolutely think uh, they will pay a price. And uh I, that's why, for the life of me, I can't understand why uh, McConnell and Trump aren't jumping at uh, at the the deal the speaker has offered. Okay, uh, let's go back to the presidential race. Uh, I think it was widely acknowledged that the president's uh, debate against Joe Biden was a disaster. Uh, yesterday, uh, several polls came out. Uh, one was an AB, uh, an NBC News Wall Street Journal poll that showed Joe Biden was ahead in the head to head against Trump uh, by 13 points, which is almost double what it was uh, before the debate. Uh, yesterday, the New York Times released polls that did in battleground states uh, in Pennsylvania and Florida, uh, which showed, I believe, Joe Biden had a five-point lead in both states. Uh, What is the state of this uh, presidential race right now? Well, Brad, you know the polling better than I do. Uh, That's your line of work. But I would just say that I I, I think Joe Biden is ahead. I think he, the momentum is with him. I don't think it's a 13-point race. I think we're in two polarized uh, of times, and certainly it's not a 13-point race in the battleground states. I'd say it's a five- to seven-point race advantage for, for Biden. Uh, but then when you factor into that uh, voter suppression, when you factor into that uh, the risk of absentee ballots, when you factor into that uh, that this president is going to litigate uh, the count, uh, it, you know, it's still too close for comfort. And as you know, uh, these races can swing a few points in the last uh, week. I mean, that's what happened. If people think that the polling was off with Hillary Clinton. It was slightly off. But the bigger issue was in the last 10 days, uh, the unexpected happened with Comey and the race swung five points. So we've seen already two unexpected events. And we're just at the point where Access Hollywood happened in 2016. And we've had the passing of Justice Ginsburg, and we've had the president's diagnosis with COVID. Who knows how many other curveballs are going to be there, uh, all of which is to say uh, I would bet on Joe Biden, but it's not a slam dunk. Well, let me ask you this question. Uh, Joe Biden, uh, when the president's illness was announced uh, late last week, uh, Joe Biden decided uh, took all the negative uh, ads against the president off the air. He's still running positive ads. Uh, Today, uh, Joe Biden, I believe, is campaigning in Florida. Uh, 
Now, the question is, do you think uh, Joe Biden made the right decision in pulling his negative ads against Donald Trump? Well, Joe Biden is such a decent person. I think the tone he struck in terms of wishing the president well, wishing uh, his family well is the right tone. Uh, You know, you still have independent groups that are uh, rightfully pointing out the president's weaknesses. I think if Joe Biden wants to use his campaign funds to tell the story about why Joe Biden is going to be a a great leader uh, for the country, I think that's probably the right call. I mean, I, you know, yes, when you run against an incumbent, you have to make the case to fire them. Uh, I think that has been made. And I actually think that too often challengers don't make enough of the affirmative case. And so uh, to the extent that Biden is doing that, uh, I think that's a good thing. Okay. Uh, One last question. Uh, Because of the president's illness and the illnesses of so many people in the White House, uh, I think we're up to four Republican senators who have tested positive for COVID now with the addition of uh, Ron Johnson from Wisconsin uh, this morning. Uh, do you think uh, it's the uh, last 30 days are going to be just about the pandemic? Um, or is there an opportunity for Democrats to discuss economic issues, which are also very prominent in the minds of the voters? Well, I think that the fact that the president and all of these senators are being diagnosed with COVID uh, has reminded Americans that, you know, this disease hasn't gone away, that the next president is going to be dealing with it probably for the next year, and that this is the biggest national security issue for this country. It's an issue of who can keep uh, the country safe. And to, and, and that's why uh, I'm more confident today in, in, in Joe Biden's win than I have been uh, previous times I've been on, because I think it's become so apparent to people that uh, Biden is going to be a better commander in chief. He's going to pass that first test of keeping Americans safe uh, better than than Donald Trump. And I, I think the economic, you know, I believe the economic issues are so important. Uh, but I think that uh, and I hope Biden will continue to talk to, about them. But I think Trump is now going to fail that very first test of who can keep Americans safe. Congressman, uh, thank you very much for joining us today on Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Uh, Good luck with your reelection campaign. And uh, we can all hope that uh, Joe Biden uh, comes through in the next month. Well, I always enjoy being on, Brad, and enjoy your columns on the Hill. So uh, keep writing and uh, look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you again, Congressman, for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us on Deadline DC today. Uh, For our listeners, we still have uh, more to go in Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Uh, In the second half hour, as usual, we're going to have our provocative progressive political panel uh, with uh, talk radio host Tara Devlin and our own progressive activist Mark Gormaldi. So stay tuned. We'll be back right after these messages with more Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. If you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Okay. Welcome back to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. And uh, we are resuming the show so we can continue our discussion of what's been a crazy week in uh, American politics 
And as crazy as it is, it'll probably get even crazier with mm. Donald Trump as president in the next uh, in four weeks. I guess the uh, one of the big news items of the day we're going to talk about the provocative progressive political panel um, is the president um, is either leaving or is being released from Walter Reed Hospital uh, today. It's 30 Eastern time uh, so we can go back and infect the uh, the still healthy staff at the uh, uh, White House uh, today. Two more prominent Republicans who uh, tested positive for COVID, uh, White House press secretary and Wisconsin Senator Robinson. Uh, there are now four Republican senators uh, who've been tested positive uh, for COVID in the last few days. And uh, that may have some bearing on the president's attempt to uh, ram his uh, new Supreme Court nominee through the upper chamber. Uh, the president will recover with the benefit of the best health care that the United States government can provide. But many ordinary people have little, no health, little or no health care to get them through the crisis. To make things worse, Republican state attorney generals have asked the Supreme Court to nullify the Affordable Care Act, which provides health insurance to millions of Americans. The spread of the disease is bad news for the nation, the president, and millions of Americans. If there is any good uh, to come out of all of this, the president's illness may remind Americans, especially Republicans dismissive of the threat, that COVID is still a crisis and hopefully it will discourage people from going into public places without masks. Uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi hopes the president's diagnosis leads to a saner approach to the pandemic. A president should set the example for his fellow citizens, and Trump could perform a valuable public service in the waning days of his presidency by warning Americans to take proper precautions for their own safety and the safety of friends, family, and strangers they come into contact with. You can read the rest of this column and my take in the presidential on the presidential race in the Hill every Monday. You can Google to, to see the column. You can Google muckrack.com front slash Brad dash Bannon. Now it's time for a provocative progressive political panel. Our first panelist today is Tara Devlin. Uh, she is a New York City-based comedian, writer, and the founder of RepublicanDirtyTricks.com, also known as R-T-T-Daily. <laughs> Tara's unapolog unapologetically liberal podcast, Tara Besta, is 100% listener-supported, free from corporate influence, and five-star viewer-reviewed. Join the resistance by becoming a patron of Tara Buster and RTD Daily at Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, uh, dot com, front slash Tara Devlin. <laughs> if you, you can follow Tara on Twitter at Real Tara Devlin and on Instagram at Tara, uh, Tara D-A-C-K-T-Y. Joining Tara on the panel is progressive <laughs> political activist Mark Grimaldi. Mark has worked on get out the vote operations for several Democratic presidential candidates, including Joe Biden. Mark is also active in campaign finance reform and efforts to promote cancer research. His Twitter handle is Mark J. Grimaldi. 
Okay. Uh, first of all, Tara, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Uh, the president gets out at uh, 630. Um, maybe in 20 years we'll be saying the same thing when he's released from prison. Who knows? <laughs> uh, we can only hope. Uh, what do you make of this? You know, base seems to me the Trump campaign, uh, the Senate Republican caucus and the White House uh, have been covid Convectionary ovens. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you make of all this with the president and the other COVID tests among Republican grandees? It's appalling. That's what I, it's completely appalling and shows us why we are the COVID capital of the world. And it's nothing to be proud about. I don't know why he's making a victory lap around the uh, all of his uh, easily led supporters they should be they should all be appalled but they don't know better frankly for some reason the thing is he's he is bullying his doctors and bullying the nurses to let him out it is all yeah. a publicity stunt he doesn't yeah. want to stay in the hospital because it doesn't look good for him that's about it whether he really is well enough to leave is another story so he'll make a big show about it and um, the dupes will eat it up. That's for sure. And uh, and honestly, I'm I I don't have any sympathy for him or the rest of them. They should be ashamed what they've done to this country. I have sympathy for the 210,000 who are dead because of them, and this the people who are sick, and the people who, the thousand Americans who will die today because of them. They don't like dealing with this pandemic. Well, they're like infants. Just we could have shut down the country and done it like every other country instead of screaming, liberate Michigan, liberate Virginia. He was a hindrance and is and remains a hindrance to our progress. He's the one making us sick as the studies. Well, I think The Washington Post did a couple a study in some other news organization that he was the primary um source of propaganda of misinformation and on top of the other stuff that he said about um, drinking bleach injecting bleach people in texas ended up in the emergency room from drinking bleach so he's a it's appalling and the other thing i want to say just an aside they list they um they release the list of what drugs he's on for coronavirus how come there's no hydroxychloroquine in there I thought he was yeah. taking hydroxychloroquine. We kept hearing, oh, I've been on it for two weeks. Well, you've been on it? You're taking it? Oh, yes, it's great. Uh, everyone's taking it. Uh, it's just sweeping the nation. I'm re receiving hundreds of calls about it. He, and then at the time, we had to go through this whole, oh, yeah, you're receiving calls. And then they had a report on it. And it's, it's, we're, in the, tr we're trapped in the manias of a con man. And... I don't know. The whole system is set up to keep keep this game going. It's appalling. The whole thing is appalling. We're, I mean, really, not, he has. There are no consequences to his actions. You know that if Joe Biden had coronavirus, if they had, if it came that came down that it was Joe Biden, you know what he would be doing. He would Twitter would be at one of his Nuremberg rallies, mocking Joe Biden, calling him yeah. weak. 
true. Yeah, saying how oh he he'd be doing imitations of him gasping for air like, <gasps> and Hunter Biden saying oh please daddy don't don't go uh, I need a job yeah uh, you would that's what he would be doing and all of his audience would be eating it up so I don't know it it makes me sick they the whole they all make me sick and they honestly make. America sick, the whole country. So well, they literally, literally have figurative. made all America. Yes, exactly. America sick. I exactly. Mean, uh, last time I counted, uh, oh, more than seven million Americans have been afflicted with COVID. Yeah. Uh, more than two hundred thousand have died, uh, and so it's getting uh, completely out of hand. Mark, you want to join in on this? I think it is important to remember, as Tara said, the average, you know, American as far as income status, health insurance, what they have access to and what they're confronted with with this disease. And the other thing that's enraging is, you know, the president had access to, you know, all of the the best masks, the best information Mm -hmm. on how to not only protect himself, but protect those around him. And he simply refused to utilize them because, you know, he think he thought, you know, he looked like more of a tough guy without wearing a mask. I mean, that is that the the attitude of a three-year-old, you know, it's, it's, and that's an insult to some three-year-olds, you know, I have a three-year-old who wears a mask and she doesn't give me a hard time about it. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so, uh, you know, I know we're coming up on break here, Brad, um, but it's really disheartening. And it's one of the many reasons that we need to kick this guy out of the White House, mm. starting now with early voting. Yeah. Yep. OK, we are going to break now for our radio listeners. We're going to connected for our viewers on Periscope TV and Facebook Live. All I have to say is that the administration's handling of the COVID crisis, especially in the last week, has been stupid, stubborn, and irresponsible. We'll be back with more of Deadline DC for our radio listeners after these messages. And remember, if you're watching us on Periscope TV or Facebook Live, don't go anywhere because we're going to be continuing uh, our discussion with the provocative progressive political panel. Bannon, uh, we are doing our provocative progressive political panel. Our guest on the panel today are progressive activist Mark Romaldi and also radio talk show host and of uh, Tara Busta, Tara Devlin. Hello. Uh, let's uh, start this. Uh, we've been talking about the COVID and the Trump reality show. Uh, let's turn to a more serious subject. Uh, The president has nominated uh, a new Supreme Court justice to replace the late and great uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, The uh, president's nominee, Amy Coney Barrett, uh, is on record as um, wanting to reverse the the Roe versus Wade decision on women's choice, women's health care. Uh, She also wants to uh, reverse the Affordable Care Act. Uh, And if that happened, about 20 million Americans would lose their health 
insurance. And today we have a new Supreme Court wrinkle, just like we needed another one. Um, two of the conservative justices on the court uh, wrote that they want to overturn uh, the uh, Supreme Court's uh, decision uh, legitimizing gay marriage. And my guess is if uh, Barrett becomes a member of the Supreme Court, uh, the conservatives will have a six to three majority uh, and they can pretty much they will be able to do pretty much anything they want to, which is a very scary thought. So my question mm. to the panel is what would happen in this country uh, if women didn't have the constitutional right to choose to have an abortion as they do under Roe versus Wade? Uh, what if 20 million Americans uh, lost their health care if yeah. the Affordable Care Act was declared unconstitutional? And what would happen to American society uh, if gay marriage wasn't legal anymore? Tara? Yeah. yeah. Well, here's the thing. It would, of course, it would be an abomination. And Republicans are a minority greed center death cult. They represent a minority of people. They receive fewer votes. I don't even when they're in the majority. Uh, Twitter received fewer votes. Mitch McConnell, yeah. the the Senate three million fewer, fewer votes than Hillary. Exactly. Clinton. And the Senate received fewer votes. And when the the Republican cons, I call them, were in the House, when they were in the majority in the House, they also re, the Democrats they um, won uh, uh, one million more votes and they were still in the minority. Yeah. So this is a um, they are the it's an it's the tyranny of the minority. And this is how it has. We have to really um, fight like that. They are illegitimate. Um, what's his name? Kavanaugh is illegitimate. Gorsuch is illegitimate. These are illegitimate Supreme Court seats that they stole. And now Amy Coney Barrett or whatever is illegitimate. And we should also be very concerned because of my whole thing for years, I've been saying this and they keep proving me right. And I hate it that the Republicans don't like democracy. It, it's really conservatism. Conservatism um, is the the ideology of the elites. It always has been for Western civilization. They don't like democracy. That's why instead of when they lose elections, they don't think, oh, how am I going to knock on doors and get and uh, build a coalition or whatever? They say, how can I kick people off the voting rolls? How can I stop Democrats from voting or my opposition? So this whole stealing of the court, putting Unqualified Supreme Court justices on the on the on the uh, not just the um, I mean on the every court in the land not just the Supreme Court they're pushing um, justices and judges that the ABA rates unqualified I mean it's an, it's embarrassing but they all they're all young and that's yeah, what they, they want to overturn democracy right. And they want to overturn democracy. And this is an this is an attack on democracy itself. And that is what I mean, this is what you got to look in all the uh, overthrows of democracy and republics throughout history. Taking over the courts is what the autocrat does. It is because when you go to the court for recourse, you will get none because it will be corrupted. And that's the, one of the pillars of democracy that they 
it's not just the norm that they're 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 breaking up. They are they're they're attacking the entire system that the founders fought a revolution to entrust to us. It's exactly what Hitler did. They took over the courts as they were accumulating power legitimately through the democratic process. So this is a this is a big problem, and it's also a problem that the Democrats do not fight as if our lives depended on it because they do. What will happen if they get to roll back Roe v. Wade and all that? Of course, it's going to be a disaster. And as far as abortion is concerned, they only do this to throw it, the red meat to the to the dum-dums who will vote for them anyway, while they accumulate and concentrate wealth into the hands of the elite and then cut off our means of doing anything about it. So what will happen is that Legal abortion does not, I mean, well, making abortion illegal does not reduce the numbers of abortion. All no. it does is reduce safe abortions. We will, women have been getting abortions for recorded history. This is what happens. If, and the fact is, if, if they don't like abortions, this is the other thing I, I need the Democrats to hear. When they say that they are pro-life, they are not pro-life, they are pro-birth. And... Also, abortions go down under democratic policies, expanded health care, universal um, edu higher education, higher, you know, all of those policies. Oh, sex ed, uh, reality-based sex uh, ed and family planning. They reduce the numbers of abortions, not making abortion illegal. All that does is make it unsafe, and it also kills women. So there you go. They, uh, it's the Democrats need to fight like that. Like we have truth, justice, and the American way on our side because we do. Uh, really, uh, Mark, you want to weigh in on this? Now we could have a very strange situation, Mark, uh, where uh, Joe Biden becomes president. We have a Democratic uh, majority in both the House of Representatives uh, and the Senate. And the new six to three conservative majority in the Supreme Court basically will be able to stop anything that the new president or Congress do. Right. Uh, and so, uh, Mark, you want to comment on this? And I, I think a couple things in that situation. First, we have to still realize, as terrible as that sounds, it still would be infinitely better than the country and all of us are today, yeah. because you would not mm -hmm. have a madman in the White House. And mm -hmm. even if literally we were stuck dead in the water as they were invalidating laws, as bad as that is, we would still be infinitely safer than we are today. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't think it's going to go exactly that way, but that will determine or that will be dependent on how aggressive the Democrats and a future President Biden would be in response to acts like that. You have to be ready to expand the size of the Supreme Court if that happens. And I think that, you know, yes. that has to be on the table regardless of whether or not you do it, because if nothing else, to let those justices know that there's you want to play this way, then this is how we're going to play as well. And if you have the votes to do that and you have the majority to do that, then you damn well better do it because otherwise yep. in the 2022 midterms, you may see primaries in the Democratic Party uh, removing people like you actually already saw this year with with some Democrat seats that we thought, mm -hmm. you know, people thought were going to just be there because they had been there a long time. 
Um, but I think you have to be ready to do that. And the other thing is, don't listen to this BS, uh, you know, from the president about, you know, him beating the virus and all this stuff. He's hopped <laughs> up on steroids right now that right. Sanjay Gupta yep. just yep. said yep. on TV that they give yep. these people steroids and he's seen cancer patients and other people claim how great they feel because that's, that's one of the effect right. of the steroids. Yep. And the other thing is he's getting the best care in the world after paying $750 in taxes towards it. And all the medicine he's getting is going to a mini hospital at the White House. And he's telling people on Twitter not to be afraid of it. So don't let have this let you guard, have you right. let your guard down. The CDC just revised its guidelines that disease can go further than six feet and poorly oh. at uh, uh, ventilated uh, areas like schools. So we're not out of the woods yet, and don't listen to his BS. Just basically whatever he does, don't do that. That's right. Well, we won't. Uh, hopefully our listeners won't. That's all for today, friends. Uh, thanks to our guest, uh, Congressman Ro Kahana, uh Tara Devlin of Tarabusta, and progressive activist Mark Grimaldi. I'm here Mondays at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. If the Lord is willing, the creek don't rise, and Bill Barr doesn't declare martial <laughs> law or designate deadline sure. D.C. as an anarchist jurisdiction. This is Brad Bannon. Stay strong, stay safe, and don't drink the Clorox. It didn't right. do the president any good, and it won't help you either. We'll mm -hmm. talk to you next Monday. Thank you. This is what the Huron River sounds like. What you can't hear are toxic chemicals like PFAS that have contaminated the water. Toxic PFAS are linked to cancer and brain damage in children. But State Representative Ryan Berman cut more than $21 million from the state's contaminated site cleanup fund. Ryan Berman's record is toxic. Paid for with regulated funds by Michigan Leadership Committee PAC, not authorized by any candidate. This is what the Huron River sounds like. What you can't hear are the toxic chemicals like PFAS that have contaminated the water. Toxic PFAS chemicals are linked to cancer and brain damage in children. These toxins have poisoned our water, making it dangerous to drink and unfishable. And State Representative Ryan Berman is making it worse. Berman voted to cut more than $21 million from the state's contaminated site cleanup fund. And the damage doesn't stop there. Just months ago, Berman sided with the big oil company that caused the largest inland oil spill in American history, voting to let them drill a pipeline under our waterways. Ryan Berman's record is toxic for Oakland County. Vote Julia Pulver for representative by November 3rd. Paid for with regulated funds by Michigan Leadership Committee PAC, not authorized by any candidate. <laughs>